0: I'm Derek Thompson, the host of the podcast, Plain English. We tackle technology, politics, culture, history, everything that's happening in the world and why it matters.
1: New episodes of Plain English drop
0: every Tuesday and Friday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in DC and present in select States. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm,
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to Group Chat, the number one NBA podcast on the Ringer NBA feed on a Wednesday. I am Justin Verrier. Joining me as always, Rob Mahoney, Big Waz. Gentlemen, I am in a good mood today. Rob, Why is how are you that? feeling? Why are you in a good mood? I switched to espresso tonics, and boy, <laughs> I am flying right now. Uh, I thought it had
0: something to do with the content, but no, it's just your daily caffeine intake.
1: Now, if anything, this is old hat. I was I was thinking about this actually the other day. This is my thirteenth trade deadline, I believe.
3: Oof. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's so, a sobering uh, fact. Oh. Rob,
1: how many for you?
0: It's gotta be about the same, but I don't like to think about it in terms of those numbers because it's depressing. So let's <laughs> let's just keep it moving.
1: Feels like the first time, baby. Uh, (laughs) uh, Okay, so we're going to get to some all-star reserve debates, which we tabled uh, after last week's podcast in the back half of this episode. But first, the trade deadline, my friends, is about a week away, a week and like half a day away right now. And we are going to go through the most intriguing teams... As we veer toward my 13th NBA trade deadline, Um, I hope someone got me a kick. Uh, Let's start with the team that's really in the news these days, surprisingly, I think, but maybe not considering uh, the recent results. The Washington Wizards, the trade rumors are burbling uh, as we veer toward the deadline. Mostly because it seems like the wizards are very much aware that they need help. <laughs> they are twenty three and twenty seven. Uh, they have now lost six straight after yesterday's spunky game against the Bucks, but they ended up losing that one down the stretch. Um, Demana Sabonis, some other guys have been in the mix there. Here is my question: Was I want to go bigger picture here because I am a little curious, like where the team is going from here? Would you rather? bring in a Sabonis or someone to supplement Beal in order to make this work. Are we at the point now with the Wizards, considering how things have gone the past two years, really, where you need to start asking yourself if Beal should be the franchise player here?
3: Yeah, I'm asking myself, what's the proof that Bradley Beal is the kind of Damian Lillard, Joel Embiid, meaning just having them on the team, no matter how injured or disgruntled or lackluster my roster might be, I'm viable, I'm fighting for the playoffs, I'm one of those teams. Um, Bradley Beal has never proven himself to be that. And I look at the Simmons thing as clearly they're desperate to get off of him right? in Philadelphia. Obviously, he doesn't want to be there. And I think you can get stuff on top of Simmons as far as picks and maybe some other young, valuable assets to me, I'd be looking to preemptively move Bill, right? Like, I like, I don't understand what's the... P- Since they got rid of John Wall and that Bill and John Wall thing was broken up and it was like, all right, Bradley Bill, you're the crown jewel of the franchise. Where's where's the proof that that gets you anywhere near what the Wiz have proven that they want, which is like, you know, six, seven, eight seeds, right? Uh, He yep. hasn't even been able to deliver those for them, so I'd definitely be looking in the Simmons out, because... Bill checks the box of all-star, you know, raises our ceiling stuff that Philly was talking about. And again, I think the Sixers understand that they would have to give up a lot of more stuff cuz Bradley Bill is way better than Ben Simmons. Okay? It's not even close. When he's better
0: to to an extent that I think Simmons is the break glass in case of emergency fallback plan right. for trading exactly. Bradley Beal. Like you, can, exactly. you can take a wide canvas with a player like Beal. There's going to be a lot of interest in him. And I like that you brought up Lillard as a counterpoint, was because they're in a similar position Portland is in terms of looking at their team, looking at the next three years realistically what is the best we can be? Can we be a home court advantage team? Can we be a second round playoff team? And if you don't think you can, I think you owe it to yourself and to your fan base and to your team to start making some substantive changes. The Wizards are in that position now where even if Beal is playing at the top of his game, which he's not right now, even if you improve the roster around him, which is kind of mediocre as it is, Are you really going to crack this top four, five, six teams in the Eastern Conference, which, frankly, are just all better than the Wizards are and could reasonably be in the near future?
3: Surely an all-star like Demonis Sabonis would raise (laughs) the ceiling significantly on this team, Rob.
1: Yeah, I just it feels like Beal is a top tier number two. Yeah, and sure. he should be playing with a number one like Embiid rather than the Wizards trying to get somebody to supplement Beal. Because especially as we're looking at this long term, everything that signals that Beal wants to stay is based on the fact that he's going to cash in to this enormous contract, five years, $242 million. And while he is younger than I think I even realize, like it feels like bill has been around a while now to the point where he's had almost two phases of his career when he was uh, in those playoffs with John Wall and then now more recently where he stepped forward as the number one guy there. Uh, he's only 28, but... At the same time, like, I don't know what I'm getting with a Beal plus whatever team. And I think the pathway to getting that number two is much more complicated with a guy like Beale there versus a guy like, let's just say Simmons, for instance, that's the trade you make. Uh, and then you could maybe bottom out one year and then hope to pair Simmons with a high draft pick.
3: Yeah, I don't think Ben Simmons is this kind of floor raiser where Simmons and a bunch of young guys takes you out of a nice plum lottery pick. I don't think anybody on this call believes that he's that type of player. So yeah, um get another crack at a young dude by replacing effectively replacing Bill with Simmons which has, you know, it, it bears mentioning again, a significant talent downgrade, right? In every sense of of the word. Um and yeah, and move forward that way. I know the the, the Wizards because Their ownership group has traditionally been like so thirsty for any type of playoff success. Um, I understand an aversion to do that. But, yeah, I I think another crack at the lottery. Um, And then, of course, you know, seeing what guys like Denny and Rui Hachimura have to have for you going forward. um, You know, I think that would be the prudent move for this team.
0: Well, when you think about the moves for Simmons, that involve Simmons that would make sense for other teams. We've been circling around this for over a year now. This is it's the felt kind of like 10.
3: I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is the kind of group that would make sense is a rebooting, a rebuilding yeah. Wizards team. You almost want a franchise that's starting from scratch a little bit because Simmons is the kind of player you want to start with from the ground up and not try to fit him into whatever you're doing. Like you really need to reconceptualize your whole roster to fit him. And whether you think that's worth it or not is a separate issue. And then there's the question of, if you're Washington, do you want to embark on that kind of endeavor? Or do you want a young player in return for Beal or picks in return for Beal who are going to be a little bit more open-ended in terms of what your style of play and what your team construction is going to be like?
1: Yeah, I just read all these reports about how the Wizards are doing everything to convince Bradley Beal to sign this massive extension. I'm just like, why? like you're going out of your way in order to commit yourself to above averageness at best and i get it like i think the the key point is the ownership and how much they've been willing to just like strive for the middle or just some semblance of success or success that they could sell to a, to a still pretty meager fan base. Um, And I'm just like, why? Like, it just doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. Like, like why not just get rid of Beal and start over and and maybe hope for something bigger?
0: Oh, I think the why is you're hoping he resigns and then eventually you're going to work out a trade. There's not a there's not a long long term future here. I don't think for Beal and the yep. Wizards. It's either trade him now or trade him on his new deal. Those seem like the options to me.
1: Yeah, and I guess it becomes complicated because it sounds like they feel the need to show him to, like something in order yeah. to stay, and that gets us into the Sabonis part of this. And so I wonder, like, uh, if you're committing to Sabonis as that number two guy, doesn't that just completely, uh, you know? Doesn't that make it more complicated down the road? Like, like like you're the number two isn't going to be there. You're actually committing to Sabonis now. What do we think about a Sabonis Beal duo, by the way? Rob, you're you're a man on the street, so to speak, in Indiana. <laughs> they
0: work together. Like offensively, I think they would fit great. And some of that is is what we've been talking about with Beale as He's a really high-level number two guy. Sabonis is probably a really low-level number one guy or, or probably a level... Low-level you know, number, th- number two. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think he's, I think he's better than that. But point being, he can be a hub for an offense that yeah. lets Beal run around and lets him mm. get off-ball a little bit more in a way exactly. that I think would be really healthy for both of them. They would be a really good offensive team. They'd be really dynamic in that regard. They'd be fun to watch. And if you're Bradley Beale, I think that'd be fun to play that kind of style you're not going to beat Joel Embiid playing that way or the Bucks, or the Nets or, you know, now they have the Cavs to worry about. You get the Hornets on the, the rise. Heat. I mean, the Heat. There's just a lot of good teams at the top of the East right now.
3: Yeah, and again, the thing about Sabonis, whatever he adds for you offensively, I don't want to call him a bum on defense, but, you know, that guy's anchoring your defense. Yeesh, good luck with that. And again, you would want to pair somebody like Sabonis with size at the other positions, right? Like big wings, big, uh, uh, you know, the type of four that can give you some level of rim protection and just, you know, mass at those positions. And I don't really even think the Wizards do that, are able mm-hmm. to put that together by bringing in Sabonis because they got to get rid of some stuff. Um, And I think on the wings, they would have to get rid of some stuff to bring him in. So, you know, I don't know.
1: Well, I mean, they could do just like a supercharged offensive type of team where it's like Sabonis and Kuzma and KCP and Beal and name your uh, like off guard there. Like, I guess maybe Dinwiddie if they don't trade him. He's also been in trade rumors like that seems like the jolt I'm getting from this espresso right now. You know, at the very least, that's an identity for a team as opposed to what they are now, which is like fun and like decent. But clearly that hasn't done much for them.
0: Well, so what are you giving up for Sabonis then? Just all of the young players packaged together? Because I, I don't know that salary-wise, that's even enough. I think you're going to have to give up someone like Kuzma or KCP just to make the numbers work.
1: Right, yeah. Um. The recent reporting is they're looking for Vooch, a price, like Vooch return, which was what, two first-round pl- picks plus salary?
0: Yeah, and, f- and for what? Like, where are you going? You know, like, th- I think the Bulls have made... They, they've they made the case for that kind of trade, right? Like if we get this guy in the door, we make some smart free agent additions, maybe we can elevate, maybe we can hit a different level. What is the next move for the Wizards to get to that point once they get Sabonis and Beal, who again, I think are a good combo, but it, it does lock you in in terms of what their roster looks like barring kind of a, a DeRozan-level miracle with a guy who is kind of forgotten about, kind of cast off, who just all of a sudden pops in the context of your team in a way that he didn't for his previous team.
1: Hmm. They do have a lot of salary flotsam on this roster. Like Montrezl Harrell makes 9.7. Yep. Thomas Bryant, who unfortunately just went out with another ankle injury, I believe, or lower body injury last night, uh, 8.7 million. So you could feasibly not ruin your t- your core, core in air quotes, and and just bring in Sabonis, four picks. And as we've seen, the picks thus far aren't doing too much for them because uh, I don't know if anybody's really sold on Hachimura, Abdiah, or Kispert at this point. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's pivot to the Utah Jazz here, another team in the news, uh, in part because, well, essentially because Joe Ingles is now lost for the season. Um, torn ACL, the big deal there is he had been talked about as the matching salary if the if the Jazz were going to upgrade on the wing and they're going to do anything in order to support their defense. Uh, they, still, they still could trade him. Unfortunately, uh, it would be dead money and it would just be salary as opposed to getting a halfway decent player back here. Um, Rob, what do you think for the Jazz here now? Do you see an easy fit? Do you think the Ingles thing? compromises their ability to maybe help themselves on defense here? Because right now they're two for 11 over their past 13s because things are not going well.
0: Well, Donovan Mitchell's been out too, which when their offense isn't there, they just cannot win. So Ingles being out really complicates things because now they have two holes. They need to plug at once. They have this perimeter defense problem that's been there all season. And now they need secondary playmaking too. They need to fill wing minutes. They need depth because when Ingles went down, I think, you know, my natural instinct, everyone else's natural instinct, you look down the roster, you say, okay, who are the candidates to get this guy's minutes now that he's out of the lineup? And it is bleak. Like it is just, there are just not a lot of good options there. So you need bodies. You need both of these high level skills at once, which those are hard things to acquire at the same time. So I think you're going to have to pick and choose a little bit. Do we want to move in more of a defensive direction or do we want to try to you know, prop our offense back up to the point that we can win games. I lean toward the defense a little bit, but it's tricky. And and the one trade I keep trying to come back to for OKC is what would it take to pry Lou Dort out of OKC and Mm. bring him to Utah? That's That's a guy the Thunder love. It may cost you a bit to get there. But if you were to give up, say, an unprotected 2026 first, that's after Donovan Mitchell and Gobert's contracts expire, Anything could happen for the Jazz. Are you willing to give up a totally unprotected first and some salary filler? You know, like we'll say, uh, Yudoka Yudoka Zabuki, for example, who's you know a, a center prospect they could take a flyer on if they really want to. The Thunder is that enough to get a Dort deal done?
1: I don't know. Yeah, and we should mention that 2026 is the first available first round pick yeah. that they can offer, team, just be considering what uh they've shared in the past. I mean. Was does that entice you at all, Lou Dort, as the key to a Utah Jazz championship run?
3: So, I, I i'm i'm of the i'm of a different opinion. I think the Jazz should probably lean towards scoring um, guys who can create off the bounce more for the playoffs, um, and guys who. Look, as long as you can do that and you're not a complete just turnstile on defense, that's what I would be leaning towards. That's why I was thinking Eric Gordon as a jazz guy, right? Because he won't get completely blown up by bigger wings because he's pretty stout, if not long. Um, And again, his shooting, his ball handling, like he brings all of that to the table, which I think they're going to need in the playoffs, right? Because it can't just be Donovan Mitchell all playoff long playmaking and trying to create, and of course Mike Conley in a secondary role. So I think Eric Gordon, who I think I just am higher on than most people are, because I just think in a playoff setting he's a gamer, and defensively he doesn't kill you. He's not elite. He's not Lou Dort, certainly, who's like on the Ananobi level and any of your best perimeter defender levels. I'll put Lou Dort up with anyone in the league right now. Um, However, just offensively, there's no contest there. He spaces you out to 30 freaking feet. He can beat a closeout. He can finish at the cup. Uh, I would be looking at Eric Gordon if I was them.
1: I love that the Thunder would have to trade a guy in his late 20s because he doesn't fit their timeline.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's not the reason. It's
0: just, you know, if you want to, you know, sell high on a guy who is still developing offensively. I mean, they they're in such need of a player like Lou Dort. Although with with Dort and Gordon, I, both those guys are stout as Waz mentioned, but they're both still pretty short. Like you're still yeah. very small on the perimeter fundamentally. But I think there are a couple ways you could get a Dort deal done. You know, it's either the construction I laid out, or if you if you want to get really weird, <laughs> Let's do how it. about a how about a three way trade with the Bucks. Where Lou Dort comes to the Jazz, Bojan Bogdanovic goes to the Bucks, hmm. and then this would this would basically be the Bucks operating under the assumption that Brook Lopez will not be able to play this season, and so Lopez, Dante Divincenzo, and Milwaukee's first go to the Thunder. Is that enough for Lou Dort? I I don't know. Again, this is a guy who the Thunder I think love, perhaps irrationally love, and have bonded to. They've really uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, they've really imprinted Lou Dort has imprinted on the Thunder franchise mm. um in a way that I think is hard to separate. But if, if you're gonna go for a defense option, I like that. If you're going for a more balanced option, is there an Indiana trade to work out with Bojan Bogdanovic, sending him back to the Pacers where he had a nice resurgence to, to his lane. career? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> could we could you get Justin Holiday and Jeremy Lamb for Bojan Bogdanovic? Or could mm-hmm. you get Karis Levert? I like that. Or Can Karis we- Levert for Bojan Bogdanovich? <sighs>
1: Can we get the Pistons or the Magic involved here so we could just have the most I, boring franchise? The also, smallest I markets in the league. I don't understand together?
3: the idea of having Jordan Clarkson and Karis oh. LeVert on your team. That that seems like a redundancy. And also it bears mentioning that this is a um, Jeremy Grant, allegedly suitor, yep. the Jazz mm. are. I don't know how they make it work. Probably some future first-rounder way, 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 way out in the Netherlands. Um But, you know, obviously, I think bringing in Jeremy Grant would be a coup for this team, uh, both for his perimeter defense, the size that he brings. He's a decent enough shooter that teams have to guard him, even in lineups that have Rudy in it. So, yeah, obviously, I think Grant would be an incredible addition. But I think these are all of the same players, right? Like, it is Eric Gordon. It is Jeremy Grant. All of these guys who have been available all freaking season long. Yep.
1: It's an interesting idea, Rob. Your three-team trade. I guess my question is, is Boyan the Boyan of old enough that the Bucks would be willing to mortgage to sell off DiVincenzo at this point? Because on the one hand, they have to pay yeah. DiVincenzo Uh, This offseason, on the other hand, he's literally their only trade piece and the only young guy. So he's the only guy who could grow in the next like two to three years for a very, very veteran team.
0: I mean, I just think he gives them such a dynamic shooting presence at that combo forward spot that especially if if you're just kind of accepting the fact that Giannis is going to have to play a fair bit of five in the playoffs. That's the kind of guy you want next to him. Somebody who can Mm -hmm. dribble, pass and shoot who's going to be a high level threat from the perimeter. I think he could really work. The question is, are they willing to give up Brooke Lopez? And not just the possibility of him playing this season, but next season, if it's going to be a longer-term recovery, because he still has one more year under contract. And is all that going to be enough for the Thunder? Like, are they going to be okay with Dante DiVincenzo, Brooke Lopez to to potentially uh, potentially flip later and a first-round pick as the return for Lou Dort? I I don't know if that moves the needle for them in any kind of meaningful way.
1: Mm. I mean, for the Thunder... I like it because if you're looking for anything at this point, it's upside and like untapped upside. And while again, you do have to pay. They don't Bicenso have enough untapped sooner. upside on their team. <laughs> well, this I don't think you need a role player like Dort at this point. You need someone who could be a potential number two, number three guy next to a Shea three to five to 10 years down the line. Yeah, but I
3: don't think a trade for a Milwaukee first round pick or any of these contenders. First round pick brings you. That much closer to that. And I think Lou Dort is the type of guy you need next to superstars, right? Like, next to a Shea, well, you know, superstars are a strong word, but you know what I mean. Like, that can guard, do the dirty work of guarding the, the best perimeter players, whether they be wings or point guards, so that your number one guy can do the work of basically, you know, <laughs> running the offense, scoring load, playmaking load, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, but it but it's hard to know what the hell the Thunder wanna do, to yeah. be mm-hmm. honest. You know, it's just like, yeah, let's just get let's just get picks. Let's just do picks. Let's pick <laughs> from now until they don't let us pick anymore. So I don't know.
0: Well, and from the jazz side, we've heard the ingles and picks attached thing all season long as an option for them. As you as you outlined, Justin, that's now more complicated with him out for the rest of the way. That to me makes Bogdanovich their most interesting trade candidate because he's a guy who's important to them, who's valuable to them, but he's not completely essential. Like he's just movable enough that you could talk yourself into some possibilities. The problem is you're giving up a pretty capable offensive player at a time where you really need that offense. And that's that's where we circle back to, you know, what was brought up the elephant in the in the room, which is Jordan Clarkson. Is Mm. anyone willing to take Jordan Clarkson and give you something of value because it's been a rough go for him. Awful shooting season for Jordan Clarkson. His offense has felt more like empty calories than ever before. Is there anyone who, who needs scoring badly enough that they could be convinced to take him on?
1: Send him home. The Lakers, baby. Oh, boy. <laughs>
0: That's what they need. More, more ball handlers who can oh, kind of shoot.
1: Well, at this point, LeBron might not see the court for another month, so they do need ball handlers. <laughs> I um, mean, th- Jordan th- Clarkson h- as, yeah.
3: as just another undersized guard who can't guard a single person. Whew, Lord, what a Lakers season this has been.
1: Yeah, I don't know what team needs that.
3: I mean, and, and by the way, Jordan Clarkson, Malik Monk, Kendrick, like, these are all the same player type, basically. Um, Yeah, it's tough.
0: Can I throw a Galaxy Brain Jordan Clarkson trade idea at you guys? Always. Yeah. I mean, Justin, you asked us to bring trade ideas today. (laughs) Now that I'm looking at mine in the light of day, my only real response is what have I done? What is the horror that I have unleashed upon the world? And I think this is one of the examples of that. Just Jordan Clarkson to the Clippers for Justice Winslow and Serge Ibaka. Does that move the needle for Utah at all? My thinking is those are two guys who are not really essential to the Clippers for good reason. This is Justice Winslow, who doesn't have much of an offensive game. Serge Ibaka, who's post-injury, been in and out of the rotation, not always effective. But I could see Winslow and Bogdanovich as kind of a workable forward combination starting. Winslow's now kind of your go-to stopper. And Serge Ibaka gives you the backup small ball five that Rudy Gay emphatically has not been. Those Rudy Mm. Gay at the five lineups have been such a disaster. And the whole thing we've been talking about with Rudy Gobert being out of the lineup and the defense just completely falling apart, I wonder if Ibaka is a way to stem some of that tide. Again, this is moving deck chairs around a little bit. I don't know what you're losing exactly, losing Jordan Clarkson, but I don't see a lot of good to the role he's playing for the Jazz right now.
1: I think if you move Jordan Clarkson, you need to get someone back that you can count on will be there in the playoffs. And I just don't know if Sir is going to be available like next week, let alone in two to three Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. I think you you need guys you can count on to be there um in March and so here's my question because I I think you hit the the other option for the jazz here is will they go lower level will they just bring in a guy to help their defense in particular that four or five spot so I have a couple options down here for you let let me know if you like any of these better than Serge Baca um Larry Nance also who, who has been out since January 5th and thus would have the same problems though he I think would be a better option younger and um more in his prime Robert Covington Gary Harris, Kenrick Williams, Thad Young. Do any of those do anything for you? Do you like any of those more than Serge Abaca?
3: <laughs> me the, the only person that stands out to me there is, is Thad Young because, you know, he gives you a little bit on the defensive end and he's just more dynamic with The Rock than every single other person on this list. Like Gary Harris ostensibly is a guard and should know how to dribble, but doesn't um but he never... can really shoot
0: his shot has come back to the point where mm-hmm. I think he's Eric Gordon adjacent.
3: Oh mm. no <laughs> Ad- adjacent adjacent
0: he doesn't no, have doesn't have the ball skills doesn't, he doesn't have the downhill but thing at all. my
3: thing no. is his jump shot is so unreliable and 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 as for and it has been back this season but in a playoff setting in big spots when teams are just like, it's gonna come down to Gary Harris or else on yep. certain possessions. I don't trust that dude to make shots. Not a dude whose shot has waxed and waned over the past two, two to three seasons. Um, and I'm supposed to expect in the biggest moments of the most important games that he's gonna have it to knock down key jumpers. I, I can't, I can't go there with him. To me, Thad Young is the best of those options because you know theoretically he's still kind of a three. You know, can still kinda yeah. guard threes,
0: though. <laughs> you know? no he came
3: into the he came into the league as as one of those. He's he's yeah. not anymore. But yeah, I think as a four, he's just, I don't know, man. He just gives me so much more offensively, which again, I know Utah, they they've been scoring all season, but I think in the playoffs, man, they're gonna actually need as much hands on deck offensively as they can. I, I don't think it's gonna be about like Oh, we didn't have somebody for Paul George. Um, I think they got to get buckets. Rob, any of these guys fit your fancy? That Not young, really now we're, we're
1: returning scrapping. as a small forward. We're, <laughs> we're
3: scraping the bottom of the barrel. Here, man. <laughs> I, I yeah.
0: like some of these players. It, to me, it's more a function of the Jazz's needs are now so big. They're yeah. so significant that I don't know that any of those guys are really moving and things around. Like even
3: like so with Gary Harris, right? If he was the t- if he was a Jay Crowder type, where it's like he's guarding my threes and he's giving me my fours. Okay, cool. I could deal with the level of shooting and offensive deficiencies that he has, but he's dude. He's he's guarding guys that are six four and under. You know, and I, to me, that's just not that valuable.
0: And that combined with the shooting thing. You know, God knows we are not ready for another conversation about jazz role players missing open shots yeah, and how they nah, should have won that series nah, if not for the nah, probabilities. Nah. I am I am done with all of that. And I'm not ready for Gary Harris to participate <laughs> in it, going oh for six in a critical game.
1: Don't put the blood on his hands too. No. Yeah. No, I mean I think it circles back to the existential question about the jazz here. Are they one player away? And if they're not. Like, what is the future hold here? Because there are some like fundamental flaws here. And a lot of the key role players that they brought in two years ago to make this final push, Mike Conley, Bogdanovich, are just getting older. And so I wonder if the window's kind of closing here. But do you really want to give up a 2026 first round pick, especially if Ainge is in charge, a guy who refused to do so with the Boston Celtics in order to build for the future? Um I just think it's it's they're kind of at a gut check moment here where it's like do you go all in even more or do you actually play for the future maybe just hope to strike it rich with one of these upcoming draft picks and uh, supplement what you already have I don't it's really really tough
0: to the question of whether they're one player away I think it's just an emphatic no at this point maybe they were before Joe Ingles got hurt but now that they have to fill both of those roles and even in a best case scenario might have been you know, drawing like drawing and hoping to win against some of these better teams that they'd be overmatched against. I just don't see a universe in which you could say this Jazz team is one player away from the Suns.
1: No way. Mm. All right, let's uh let's flip to the Clippers here because we kind of already started this discussion. The Clippers are in an interesting spot. Kevin O'Connor wrote about this on the site uh, just the other day. They could really punt on the season. Maybe pick up some assets for certain veterans that could be appealing on other teams, uh, like a Marcus Morris, another guy who only plays once a month, uh, but is ostensibly helpful to a contender in order to replenish the coffers that they they kind of really just bottomed out when they made the Kawhi Leonard trade a few years ago. Uh, or if the, and it really comes down to their intel on when Paul George or and or Kawhi Leonard comes back here, do they say actually we're going to buy at the deadline? Let's get some more help and be the team that nobody wants to play in the playoffs. Was I mean without knowing the particulars of uh, the bodies of Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard, do you do you have any like leaning one way or
3: another here? I I think they should be trying to get guys, right, and they should be trying to use their rich-ass owner as a way to move a dude who has way less years left on his deal to get somebody who does that a team's like, look, I could could use some getting off of some of this money as a way to, you know, collect talent because guess what? Um, they don't care about the luxury tax over there. Their, their owner is the richest man damn near in the world. So, you know, I, I think that's the type of move they should be trying to do, possibly moving off of my man, Eric Bledsoe. We mentioned Sergi Baca. Um, they should be trying to get guys in and using their, you know, their spending power as a ballast.
0: Well, especially a Baca because he's going to be a free agent. In the offseason, this is your last chance to, to take a swing with him, see if his contract can get you anything of value. I don't know that there's that much interest in him out there right now. The market is pretty tepid for a guy who just can't be counted on to be on the, on the floor. It's tough. And but, but that's the biggest chip, at least in terms of priority for me, if I'm the Clippers, can we get something for Ibaka? And if not, it starts getting weird because they're in a position where they don't have a lot of draft equity anymore. They don't have a lot of things they can use to facilitate these moves. Eric Bledsoe isn't getting a lot of teams on the phone right now. So who do you have that's really attractive in terms of trade candidates? Who is it that's going to entice someone to do business with you?
1: I mean, the thing with Bledsoe is I believe his next year is only partially guaranteed. So he could just work as salary. Uh, Nick Batum is someone, I don't know what you're getting for him, but he could help a contender on the fringes. Yeah, he's good. Marcus Morris is good in theory. Uh, <laughs> He has been just really confusing as a Los Angeles Clipper Uh, and in a weird way is, is kind of the original sin of this entire problem because he was uh, the last trade they made with their last assets in order to get to this core around Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard. Um, I don't know. Like it gets dicey pretty quickly. So maybe like the only option really is to add. Right, yeah. and that well, you move someone like uh, Eric Bledsoe and bring in an Eric Gordon, because right. Gordon the whole problem is he has an extra year on top of this one he has now at nineteen point six million, which is a lot of money. But there you go. That's how Steve Ballmer supports his his guys. There,
0: I just have a hard time thinking in those terms with this latest intel that Paul George may be out for the season. That changes everything for me. Like I really, like we talked about previously on the pod, I thought they had a chance if Kawhi came back that they could be pretty tough, at least a tough out. If Paul George isn't going to play, I think you got to be swinging for, again, players with upside, guys who can give you something a little bit more dynamic. And that's just a hard sell with what they have available. I think you know Nick Batum is a really useful player for a lot of different teams. But is he getting you a real difference maker in, re- in return that's more valuable than what he gives you As a switchable defender and a facilitator and all that stuff, it's they probably feel like right now they
3: probably feel like the market is better for them to add talent now rather than the summer, where things you know there's so many more suitors in the summer when it comes to these kind of guys. Like everybody's gonna want to get stack their team with guys who can actually play and not lottery tickets and fucking draft picks in the (laughs) 20s that people fool themselves into thinking are gonna be quality players.
1: Yeah. I also wonder how much this magical run where Luke Kennard is (laughs) single-handedly overcoming a 35-point deficit is going to last here. Like on the one hand, you could say like, oh, they're way spunkier than we thought they would be without George or Leonard. On the other hand, you could be like, how long is this going to continue? On the one hand, 26 and 27, better than the Lakers. One came up uh, from the Lakers, which is wild. But, you know, like there are a lot of teams underneath them that are really going to be pushing just to get in the play. And the Pelicans might do something at the deadline. The Kings definitely are going to do something at the deadline. So we'll see there. And, and on that note, with the Kings, I actually want to pivot to the Portland Trailblazers. Oh. Be- Go ahead.
0: Be- Before we pivot, I want to float to trade ideas for the Clippers by you guys that I think could help them a bit now but more so help them next season
1: you really went after this assignment Rob and I appreciate it
0: I do my homework (laughs) Justin (laughs) I do my homework what would be the interest in flipping Nick Batum and Isaiah Hartenstein to the Bulls for Kobe White the idea being another scoring point guard a guy with a, a little bit of juice off the bounce give you something for next season beyond what those guys are giving you now and for the Bulls a nice flexible wing, a backup center. I could see the shape of that kind of checking out for some things that Chicago wants.
3: I think Chicago's they gotta feel like they could get more for Kobe White than Nick Batum, right? Like can they? Like, I, I, you know, I, I, I've, I've never understood the Kobe White appeal, and I'm talking about from draft night. Like, I was like, uh, this guy's like short as hell, and he's not like. <sighs> Particularly explosive. I, I don't. And his jump shot's cool, but not insane. Like I, I never understood the Kobe White thing. But um, if when you draft somebody that high, the idea that what you get back is, you know, Nick Batum or, on his last legs is is kind of crazy. You know. But look, if the Bulls want to get. If they want to get funky, they can start thinking about <laughs> Patrick Williams and, and other and 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 some of the other young guys that might be a little bit more attractive. If they really truly think they could make some noise in the playoffs with their with their core group right now.
0: Well, before we get funky, if I'm the Clippers, I think my first call is to the Mavericks, and I'm, I'm pitching them. Okay, Jalen Brunson is going to be Whoa. a free agent.
3: Whoa! You know things are
0: things are going to get expensive for you real quickly. What if? What if we give you a full complement of Luka friendly role players instead? What if we give you Marcus Morris? Not even Nick Batum, Reggie Jackson, and Terrence Mann. I mean, Terrence Mann could be a long term fit next to Luka. Could work really well alongside him for Jalen Brunson and Dwight Powell.
1: What does that do for you? So we know that you've had the hamburger for four years now. Would you like? A turkey burger. <laughs> like, it's not as filling, doesn't taste as good, but it's kind of similar.
0: <laughs> Look, sometimes as we get older, we have to go for the turkey burger, Justin. It's just a fact of life.
3: <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I think, I think Terrence Mann is definitely a Luca fit. Um, in the sense that, you know, he's proven he can make a wide open jump shot um and basically nothing else. But guess what? He's incredible in transition. Defensively, he he can guard one through three. Theoretically, of course, um, depending on the ones, the twos, and the threes. Uh, I like that's that's super attractive for me, especially for a guy in Brunson who, from the, the whispers and murmurs, it feels like the Mavs don't want to pay this dude. Mm. You know, and that's that's the only reason his name is in all of these trade rumors. So hell yeah, I'd be trying to get some wing depth and go all in on the idea. Like, look. If we don't care for Jalen Brunson to be soaking up possessions um, offensively for us, if we're just going to go all in on Luka just, you know, 40% usage in all the important games, then shit, man, surround him with wing guys who can defend and make open jump shots.
1: I'm not doing it unless I get an impact player back. I'm just paying Brunson and I'm worrying about this a year or two from now, like, you're getting rid of the opportunity cost by doing so. And just for a couple of role players, it's not worth the squeeze at that point.
0: I can tell you this is probably not what the Mavs have in mind for a return for Jalen Brunson. But the trick with Brunson is his contract is so low, unless you're giving up some of these big contract role players alongside him, I don't think you're getting a a second or third level star. You're going to have to be swinging for role players if you're going to make that trade, which, to your point, maybe just all the more reason to try to re-sign him and work something out later if you have to.
1: Well, well, now we could pivot to the Portland Trailblazers because I think one of the prime candidates for a Brunson trade would be someone on the level of a CJ McCollum. Like, would you trade McCollum for Brunson? Portland thinks like, yeah, you get a younger guy who's more of a steady player that could, you know, run the plays and maybe Lulu could play off him a little bit more, whereas CJ just like juices the Mavs offense in ways that Brunson can't.
0: But where are you finding $30 million in salary (laughs) on the Mavs roster to trade? And this is the C.J. McCollum problem in a nutshell. It's not easy to find teams that need a small scoring guard that also Mm. have $30 million in salary to trade out. It's a tough fit.
1: You say that, but I just heard the Sacramento Kings music, my friends. Oh, boy. Because this is is the one I (laughs) drew up for our friend C.J. McCollum. Uh, because you know that the Kings are going to want to make a push here, even though they are on the outside of the ten seed. Even uh, CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic for De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley. Your team is now McCollum, Halliburton, Heald, Barnes, and Nurkic.
3: No, thank that's you. Just a, that's just no, a yucky... You? Wow. That's a yucky really? team. I, I, don't want, I don't want Bagley anywhere near my building, first of all. <laughs> if well, I'm he's boring. kind of just
1: a throw-in to make the math work. Yeah, because it's want like,
3: how, how is Bagley any different than Larry Nance Jr. at this point? You know what I mean? Is he even better? Than, he's not. I know he's got the, quote-unquote, the alleged pedigree. I'm sure his dad mm-hmm. thinks so anyway. But I, I, I don't see why I do that. And then...
1: So you don't think you know, the Blazers are getting enough?
3: I, I, I don't know why I want Bagley. And then, you know, the De'Aaron Fox thing, it's not that he's not a talent. It's if I'm doing the Dame thing. Now, if I'm doing a fire sale and I'm just getting a bunch of stuff in-house and I'm also moving Dame and I'm doing all kinds of things, then sure, maybe the Fox thing makes sense. But Fox is another small-ish guard. They, the problem for Portland has been that they've just put these small ass, unathletic, unathletically imposing teams around Dame. I'm gonna just do more of that with De'Aaron Fox. You know, I, I just don't see the the point of that. That's why I thought they were so in on Simmons because it's this idea that here's another, here's finally a big wing size athleticism versatility that we pair with Dame and just instead of doing. And, you know, the other thing about CJ that not a lot of people talk about is he don't playmate. He's just a gunner, right? And so So he's like, perfect
1: in Sacramento.
3: Well, sure. <laughs> but I'm just saying like I don't know. I I just that's just so a So besides nasty those deal. seven
1: things that was mentioned, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, tell me, Justin, are you operating in a world where Damian Lillard is still a prominent piece of the Blazers plans? Because I'm not sure I buy Fox and Lillard any more than I do McCollum and Lillard.
1: The thinking is that he's younger. He has untapped upside and he could be more complimentary to Lillard in ways that McCollum maybe isn't just because they play similar types of games. Like he would be the guy setting up Lillard. He could ostensibly get back to playing defense. Uh, you could run a little bit more with him and Lillard and Bagley if you decide he wants to stick around. You would be basically supercharging your team a little bit. You would be bloodboying them with a little bit of youth. Is my thinking?
0: I just can't imagine a world where after all this time with two small guards, the Blazers are going to trade their way into another small guard situation. <laughs> yeah, I just can't see it. But let me let me float this alternative to you. Maybe the Blazers look across the country. They see the Knicks getting a little bit restless. You know, you're not going to get Damian Lillard if you're the Knicks. You're not going to get the next star if you're the Knicks. Can we interest you in CJ McCollum instead? What about a mm. CJ McCollum for R.J. Barrett and Evan Fournier kind of construction? Is R.J. Barrett too much to give up for CJ McCollum?
3: 100%. I, I, yeah, I, 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 I kind of figure so. I don't even understand. Because the CJ thing, again, It's he's... Slightly better than, I shouldn't say slightly, he's probably clearly better than what the idea of what Kemba was supposed to do, and obviously clearly better than what Kemba has given them, right? He's Uh, so much
0: better than any of their point guards right now.
3: Sure, but like, I'm whoa, not whoa, giving whoa. Up. don't talk
1: about quickly like that in front of a New York native.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just don't understand why I give up on RJ's no. you know, upside, his betting on his work ethic and his you know his his thirst to get way better, and he's shown that he's gotten better throughout the course of his short career so far. I just don't you know somebody as limited as CJ is man. he's just a one dimensional he scores. Which is a valuable commodity, but he doesn't do anything else. So CJ is not
1: worth RJ Barrett, but he—you're saying De'Aaron Fox isn't enough.
0: RJ RJ Barrett could be a real deal star. I think
3: RJ Barrett think he could and, be an all-star, and I think RJ Barrett makes sense next to Dame Lillard.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Like a big because he's a wing. Yeah, and, and, and he's big. big. And he guards. He he can play yeah. defense
1: for Tibbs. We'll, we'll see what happens when he gets to Portland. <laughs> Um, I don't like. Does he? What is he on offense though? Like RJ does he Barrett, need the ball is he the type of guy who plays off of Dame when he plays with Dame? I and think he's a secondary, sits, he ball handler, secondary ball handler,
3: secondary ball handler, attack closeouts. Yep. You hope that he makes his wide open jump shots from the Dame Lillard, um, sort of uh, what you would call it, gravity. And then I think he's one of those guys when. Teams send two to the ball on Dame Lillard, and he catches at the top of the key. He's shown beautiful playmaking in the past. You know, I just think he's a really versatile piece. I'm pretty high on him. I don't know that he's ever going to be, live up to third pick, especially when you consider the two guys he was drafted behind who have already shown themselves to play at all-star, legitimate all-star levels. Like, they put it on tape, whereas RJ hasn't done that yet. But I think next to Dame, he does make sense.
1: All right. Any other Portland guys you could see finding new homes here? Because we're having a fire sale right now. Let's get rid of everybody except for Dame.
3: I mean, Robert Covington, obviously, his Mm -hmm. name keeps coming up. I I don't know if the Lakers would want to kick tires on him um, because, you know, as good as he used to be on defense, a lot of it was help side. He generally would always get cooked on the ball. Like, uh, I don't know. Larry Nance. Ah.
1: <laughs> well, here for, for Robert Covington, I thought I'd send him back to Philly. Danny Green yeah. and a first round pick, or actually a, a more a favorable 2022 2023 second is what I have down here.
0: The Covington conversation, I think, can get interesting if the Blazers are willing to take salary filler in a first. If if they're just content with taking back a first to recoup some of what they gave up to get Covington. What about the Suns? What about Dario Saric's contract and a first to be Jay Crowder insurance? Or what about the Jazz, Joe Ingalls contract and a first? I think both of those could be pretty viable options if the Blazers are into that sort of thing. But I don't know. That would have sure? to be a fire sale situation.
1: Are we sure Covington's even worth a first? Like, if they can get a first, I would take it.
0: I mean, they might be worth a Suns first, you know, if you're that
1: mm-hmm. good. Mm. Okay. I would do that for both sides. That makes sense. Um, any other. Deals you have percolating, rod. Dario Saurich.
3: By the way, um, just just cause Philly fans getting on my damn nerves every time Maxie does anything. <laughs> y'all not tired of doing this? Do, do people not remember the Dario Saurich when he was on Philly chatter? Do y'all remember that he was like this important? Oh my God, the process is so insane because not only do we have Joel and Ben Simmons, we have Dario Saurich, who's just straight up not even a guy anymore. Straight up, he was down. okay not last year. Not to say Maxi's not going to be a guy. I like what Maxi's doing. I like what he. I like that people can't stay in front of him. He's explosive to the cup. I, I like that. I like what he has his tools. But like, why are we pretending he's anywhere close to as good as Kyle Lowry? Which, by the way, Lakers, <laughs> they didn't want to do the THT thing. Okay, we're which way down the road.
0: We've gotten to the level where Waz defending his Tyrese Maxi slander. The justification for it is Dario Saric, which means we've gone too far. We've gone yeah. way too
2: far.
1: I thought Sarge was good last year, but... Good player. (laughs) injured. It's, It's another story.
2: This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy.
1: just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly
2: rate is $25 per month. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for $5 chicken wraps from Arby's come in available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Let's flip
1: quickly here because we're running out of time to our All-Star Reserve debates. Um, We went through our starters last week. Uh, They were then announced on TNT. I think everyone we... Picked was in, or at least I picked was in, which is a more important thing, apparently. Um, Except for our friend Andrew Wiggins, who, based on the K pop legends out there, is now going to be starting an NBA All Star game. Yeah, in a a world where
0: Andrew Wiggins is an All Star, you don't think RJ Barrett, with some K pop backing, can be an All Star?
1: If he stays in New York, yeah. Um, I think the only difference was, Rob, you had Chris Paul and Waz and I had Morant, right?
3: Yes, and if you listen to the broadcast last night, Monty Booms was like, at a certain point, winning has to come into come into account here. Okay, somebody on my team should be starting, which it's a fair. Monty's making some sense. It's a fair making criticism, but like you're not gonna argue with the staff, and the only thing you're saying is the Ja Morant, which yeah. you know I can see it, but that that team has has played over its head too. You know, I've, so it's not. I like, say this
1: every year. There is an award for team success. It's called the NBA championship. <laughs> like, <laughs> give me a break. Oh, Rob also had Levine starting. I believe that's uh, true. Yeah, that's more based on semantics. Yeah, um, well, based that on was, the rules. That
0: was <laughs> <laughs> some of us follow them, and some of us don't. It's okay.
1: Well, we yes, Waz and I followed the rules because DeRozan was available at a guard. Exactly. Uh,
0: see, I think that's the technicality. You guys are exploiting the technicality. I'm just over here living life.
1: <laughs> mm. um oh, all right good. let's start in the west actually because i think we had the most agreement there we all had Luka well, so Doncic. Hold,
0: hold on one okay. second are we choosing our reserves based on the actuality that andrew wiggins is an all-star because that changes I a lot of how the reserves, how the reserves by the out. way
3: varia gave us the directive of who we think is going to actually get picked i picked who i think i, I would pick
1: well if you let me get through my spiel here, Rob, we <laughs> I would never we only disagree on one person and that would come that would be the Wiggins slot, essentially. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so we all had Luka Doncic, we all had Draymond Green, Carl Anthony Towns, mm-hmm. Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. In the last wild card spot would be where we disagreed. Uh Waz had Anthony Davis as a starter. Rob, you had Anthony Davis as a reserve. I have DeJounte Murray at my last wild card spot.
0: Well, so this is the thing. I think Anthony Davis is only a reserve in a world where Andrew Wiggins didn't take a forward spot. Mm. Now that he has, I don't think Anthony Davis is on the team. I think he's probably your your number one injury replacement for Draymond Green. I think that's what Anthony Davis should ultimately probably be.
1: I think we all agree that the last spot would be the one where like, Wiggins is, is occupying, right? Like, we're arguing about a spot that doesn't exist, essentially, but in our world where everything is just and right, this is an open wild card spot.
0: I
3: don't live in that world, Justin. I live in the real world. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, man, yeah, it has to be DeJounte Murray, especially with a lot of the buzz that he's getting in the media. Um, You know, Steve Kerr came out and said, I voted for him. You know, uh, it's got to be Murray at this point, and he, and he and he would be deserving. He's he's definitely broken out this year, especially offensively, defensively. I feel like he's had it for like two years now, where he's just been an elite perimeter defender, particularly um, on ball, on lead ball handler types. Two years ago, man, I watched him come, or it's three years ago. God damn, twenty nineteen. Um, I watched him come into come into Staples and. This is before Lou Will got COVID and, you know, Magic City and all of that, when he was still, like, good as hell. And Lou Will didn't want to dribble. He was just straight up passing it out, like, yo, take this thing, because this guy is all over me. So it's nice to see his offense finally come around, and he's by far the best player on that Spurs team, and the only player that's like you can point to and be like, "All right, I pretty much know what that is, what that value is, why I'd want that on my team." So, shout out to Dejounte Murray.
1: I'm glad you think that way because you did not have him on his ballot. <laughs> <laughs>
3: nah, no, he wasn't uh. on my ballot because, because, like again, like for All Star, you know, if Paul, like if Paul George wasn't like completely ruled out for damn near the season, like. I'm playing Paul George on my all-star team before DeJounte Murray. He's just clearly way better in all the minutes that he's played on the floor this season. As limited as it has been, right? Anthony Davis, same thing. Like In the minutes that he's played, as diminished as Anthony Davis has looked to his standard, way better than DeJounte Murray has been this year. Even though DeJounte Murray has put in more you know he's logged in more hours um if you will he's punched in the clock more but i just think when the discrepancy is that far in who's done what this year i lean towards the clear cut dudes man
1: yeah i do think the games played is the tipping point for me just because yeah. davis has 30 games which is more than he had before he came back i think that it definitely helps his case that he's played recently um DeJounte's been there all season, 45 games played. Yeah, and, he, and
3: that's, like, that's a 50% e- increase, you know? Yeah. And
1: Davis is like, his case is made on defense. And you can't really take that away from Murray because he's yeah. also a very good defender.
3: That's fair.
0: But this is where the Andrew Wiggins thing, you know, cute and goofy as it is, it just uh, kind of mucks it up. Like, it really does muck up DeJounte Murray's case to make one of these spots. I think it's ultimately going to cost him one. You know, we've seen things in the past where, like, a guy who should be a reserve ends up as a starter. This is the rare case where a guy who just was not going to make the All Star team is now an All Star
3: starter. Are you serious, Rob? You have you not heard from Draymond Green and Steph Curry <laughs> and every single Warriors person ever? Wiggins is he's clearly put an All Star case together this year. It's Rob, true. How Sorry. did you say that?
0: I forgot that the front court spot should be Wiggins, Jokic, and Looney as the starters.
1: <laughs> Take it up with Bam Bam, guys. <laughs> Um, Uh, Murray 19.6 points per game uh, 9.1 assists 8.5 rebounds and he leads the league with seals at uh, 2 a game so he's basically averaging a triple double by the way when that
3: dude got drafted the idea that he would be that type of playmaking lead guard 9 assists a game that, that didn't seem even remotely in the picture for him so that he's doing that again kudos to him man It did
1: before the draft because he got a lot of buzz and then all of a sudden fell all the way down. And everyone's like, oh, my God, the Spurs just got uh, just lucked into another really great guy. And then he just completely languished for about two to three years. But here he is on top of the world yet again. What a a success story. Um, All right. Let's let's pivot to the east here because we have a lot of disagreement here. Um, We all have Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum. And James Harden and Zach Levine. Although, Rob, you had Levine as a starter. You would put DeRozan as a reserve. Uh, Wads, you had Lowry, Kyle Lowry, Chris Middleton, and Jalen Brown. Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, but we both had Jarrett Allen, Fred Benvli, and Drew Holiday.
0: The Drew Holiday spot is the one I waffle on depending on the day. To me, that last spot is either Drew Holiday, LaMelo Ball, Darius Garland. Mm -hmm. I could be talked into any of those three. Uh, depending depending on how I'm feeling on that particular day. And of late, I find myself leaning more toward Holiday or LaMelo in particular. I think Darius Garland's had an incredible season, one of the primary drivers of Cleveland's offensive success so far. I think those other two guys are on, on a slightly different level. And so it's just a matter of like, do you pick this guy in LaMelo who's not only a primary option for his team, but the really the engine of their success, or do you pick this high achiever on a better team but who realistically is the second or third option on his team? It's that thing is always hard to parse for me.
3: Like I said, give me. <laughs> like I said, Chris Middleton better than Drew Holiday, better than Van Vliet. Uh, look, Jared Allen. I, Jared Allen, I do want to reward right because I feel like outside of the, because I don't think you can take away his contribution to what Mobley's doing. Because Mobley is able to do what he's doing at the four, and Jared Allen is such... He's just providing quality. Rebounding, rim protection at the five, and then finishing, man. Like, this dude catches the damn ball, which I know in the NBA should be taken as a given, but it's not Wiseman. You know, like... He's he's not even playing. He's not even (laughs) playing. I'm just saying as an example of a big who doesn't catch, right? Like... He's doing all of the dirty work stuff and his his quality at that at that position, at the bare minimum stuff that you ask, right? Like every center, ideally, who started for you can man the paint and can get rebounds and can finish when it's asked of him. And he's doing all of that at top-notch rates, man. Like, you know, you you want to reward him for that.
0: I've heard Jared Allen. I've heard Jared Allen discussed as a borderline All Star. I think he's a lock. I think he has mm-hmm. got to be there for exactly the reasons that Waz laid out. But I also think Fred Van Vliet has to be a lock. And Waz, that's why I don't understand how how you're ed- you know, elbowing him out of this conversation. Look, he is way too good.
3: Look, um, some that that streak where he was just dropping thirty on people's heads, um, like night after night. He's he's been incredible this year. And I do feel bad because I, I am one of the preeminent Fred Van Vliet guy. Like, he's one of these You're guys... You're not that anymore. I... <sighs> That's Listen, gone. Those and, days and, are over. Look, look, I have to... But I have to stick to my principles, right? Like, when it comes to the Jalen Browns and the Chris Middletons of the world, like, to me... Those dudes are all-stars. Those are freaking all-star players, man. Like, sentimentally, of course, I want Fred VanVleet to have that achievement. And you see what it means to guys, right? Um, you know, and I'm going to mention this for the 500th time, but Rudy Gobert cried about not making a damn all-star team, right? Devin Booker's like, they told me once I would win games and I was on the, I'm on the number one team in the league, and they're not putting me started. Like, this stuff really means a lot to these guys, obviously. But, you know, if you're going to ask me on my ballot to pick between Fred Van Vliet and Jalen Brown, I mean,
0: Oh, Fred Van Vliet no. has been so much better this season than Jalen yeah. Brown.
3: I, so much I better. Agree to disagree.
0: But I like how somehow you've outflanked me on Chris Middleton and I've outflanked you on Fred Van <laughs> that's Vliet. That's crazy. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible.
1: Well, here's the interesting question If you weren't stuck to putting guys into front court or back court, would you put someone else other than Allen. Like, would you nominate Garland as the representative for Cleveland over Allen?
0: I think it would be Allen because the Cavs are winning with their defense, and their defense is great because of him and Mobley. And as Waz said, what they do for each other. Now, if you want to make the case for Evan Mobley for that spot, I could could hear it out. But I think what Allen does is a little bit more of like a backbone-type performance for them. It's a little bit more of what keeps them steady. And so for me, he's the guy, but... If you if you want to make room for, you know, the Drew Holiday, the LaMelo conversation, if you want like to expand this into just like overloading the reserves with guards, I, I would hear it out, but I
3: think Allen would ultimately still be there. I don't see how you keep Kyle Lowry off of this team. I, I just like the heat success with like the fe- like the amount of games that Jimmy and Bam have missed this year. And again, Spulser deserves his credit their player development um, staff deserves their credit for what they've done with a bunch of... No disrespect to those guys, but they're nobodies. Um, what Kyle Lowry has put on the floor this season in terms of leadership and production, to me, he's a clear all-star this year. But, you know, I understand the sentimentality of getting first, first-time guys in there, right? Like the Van Vlietes, like the Jared Allens, but come on, man. Chris Middleton... Jalen Brown, Kyle Lowry, to me, those are all-stars. Like, you see the names, and it's all-star. You know, Mm. Jared Allen, I'm just like... uh, You don't
1: believe that people can change, is what you're saying. Yeah, this is really what we're getting to. (laughs) The capacity for a human being to evolve.
3: (laughs) Uh, Kyle Lowry
1: averaging 13 points, which he hasn't done since... 2012,
3: 2013. He's a no-stats all-star, though. We know that. (laughs) I will say this.
1: He does massage his game to fit the role he needs to play for for the team. And when Kawhi Leonard joined the Raptors, he became more of a distributor. He's doing that again with eight assists a game for the Heat.
0: I think there's some diffusion of credit with with Miami. It's just Jimmy Butler, he's a lock. He's been so good. Bam, if he had played more games, I think would be a serious all-star contender. He just hasn't played enough minutes. And Tyler Hero, I mean, honestly, should probably at least be in consideration. He's been so good. Clear six man of the year so far. So I think Lowry suffers somewhat from that versus a guy like Fred Van Vliet, for example, who's just like carrying such a huge load for his team.
1: I can't wait until Russell Westbrook gets voted in by the coaches. (laughs) There's going to be, like, something like that happening tomorrow.
3: There's no fucking chance that happens. (laughs) That would be so... Oh, my God. Like, the credibility... I mean, the credibility is teetering with this Wiggins stuff, by the way. Um, I was, again, Sabonis (sighs) last year. I was just like, wow. Okay. Uh, If we're just going to put Russell Westbrook in there, who... Whoa! But, he,
1: but he, by your metric of he was a previous All Star, he shouldn't. Yeah, make but it he but, but he's a he minus a for star. his team
3: now though. But he's a okay. minus right now. Like I'm still he's sp- not trying to figure like, this out. Yeah, he's not like good. It's not like he's still playing good. It's not like oh, we're saying oh, he's a little bit under the MVP level, Russell Westbrook, and we're not going to hold that against him. No, he's not in the same universe of that player anymore. You can't say that about Jalen Brown and Chris Middleton. <laughs> Come on, man! That's some respect for my boys. But Waz,
0: I need, <laughs> <your boys. laughs> I need you to prepare yourself for the fact that Sabonis might end up making this All Star oh, team as an God. injury replacement because he's pretty good. Kevin Durant is not going to play in this game, and mm-hmm. so you're looking at a forward, a front court player to replace him. It's either going to be Sabonis or Middleton or Bam. I guess if you could, if you can get around the games played, maybe Evan Mobley, maybe Miles Bridges. I think it's All probably Middleton. Of those
3: guys ahead
0: of Sabonis. It's probably going to be Middleton or Sabonis, but will will the will Adam Silver be content with three all-stars potentially for a Bucks team that's been okay by their standards so far?
1: Do you think it will be Rajon Rondo as a commissioner's exemption to <laughs> Sent him off into retirement like he did with Dirk and Dwayne Wade.
3: What a wild thing that was.
1: All right. Anyway, uh, let's wrap it there. Thank you to Isaiah Blakely on production. We'll be back next week when hopefully we have some actual trades to diagnose. See you. Later.